HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Q Drinks, carbonated mixers made for your cocktail. Visit their website at qdrinks.com. That's Q, the letter, drinks.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sound in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. What's up, Southern? Not much, Damon. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How's your week been? It was a cold, rainy weekend, man. Yeah, it was windy, a- but it's sunny today, and that's really good. Sunny day in Brooklyn. It's like I, I felt like not doing a damn thing, man. And yeah, I, it's that type of weather that like sits on you. It just yeah, makes man. you want to like lay around, be lazy, gray out. The chartreuse thing got kind of postponed on Monday, right? No, what a bummer. Or was that last night? It was supposed to be last Last night. night. Yeah, it's going to be next Tuesday now in the park. Uh, Chartreuse hot chocolate with Tim Master and an ice carving demo, and a bunch of bars showing up making different chartreuse hot chocolates, including myself. Looking forward to that, man. Chartreuse marshmallows that I made that now that I have to eat because they won't last till then, (laughs) and then I'll have to make new ones. Are you going to use them at the bar tonight? We don't do that stuff at my bar. Come on, come on. Why not? I'll pass them out to people. Too much sugar. Too much sugar. Oh, I got you. No sugar at the Not bar. Not bitter enough. Um, yeah. yeah. This, this kind of weather makes you want to sleep in till like, I don't know, 7. 7, <laughs> 7 p.m. or 7 a.m.? 7 a.m. I know our guest today got up really early. Yeah, she gets up at 7 every day. Probably earlier. Why don't you introduce our friends? Yeah, well, we've got two friends in the, in the studio today, Nama and Asaf Tamir from Lighthouse Brooklyn, as well as Lighthouse Outpost in Manhattan. That's right. Yeah, Welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you, you very both. much. Great to be here. Yeah, I mean, good to have you here. So I've been hanging around you and your space since it was being built at Lighthouse Brooklyn, anyway. I haven't been to the outpost yet, which has been open for about five months. You're doing bre- breakfast and lunch over there. Um, but I lived on South First, right behind your lighthouse. Yes. When I was at Rye in Williamsburg, and you guys were building. Um, and that place has been over how many years now? Six. Six years. Six years. Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. Such a cool location, too. It's like 
It's like a, a mini, like, flat iron building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that long, that long triangle. Wedge. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. cool. My bro- we used to live across the street. And then my, my brother says that uh, I sent him a, an article about Alzheimer's and how you're supposed to take a different route to your home every day to <laughs> kind of, like, get your, your, your brain working. And then so he took a different route coming back from work one night. And... He found lighthouse. He yeah, found the space. Stumbled on the on the sign, and called right away. And I said, uh, "Well, I'm interested in checking it out." And called Nama right after. I was like, "Want to see a space tomorrow?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." I just <laughs> come downstairs. <laughs> and we, Wait, yeah, we lived. We lived across forest. the street. Were you looking at that time, or you just you took a different route home and decided I'm going to get into the restaurant bar business? No, we were looking for <laughs> a, a space. We we're actually looking at a space in the West Village. Mm. Um, to do our initial concept, which also was called Lighthouse, uh, which was kind of like Lighthouse, but 24 hours of healthy, fast kind of food uh, that tastes good. And then that didn't work out. And at the same time, my sister sent me just an article about Alzheimer and taking different routes and to walk home. And I was like, well, why don't you just take a different route and go home? Pays to stay it. educated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, breaking patterns. Right? That's what I'm about. Break that pattern. Well, you just mentioned that the maybe the original concept was going to be in the West Village, and it was going to be 24 hours of fast, healthy, you said, food. So talk about what Lighthouse is. Well, the slightly longer answer is that it's more a philosophy-driven restaurant than, than an actual cuisine. We really wanted to feed people food that was good for them, um, that was healthy and delicious. And we wanted to... We wanted to change the paradigm of what it means to be a, a restaurant in an urban environment, um, be a part of a, of, a, of, a, of a good system. You know, the way we see it, the food systems and the waste systems are a little bit broken, and we were using Lighthouse kind of like as a, as a place to reinvent it, to change it. Right. I remember when you were coming into Rye, you would talk about how, what the, you know, you are still build out, but <clears throat> you were talking about what the menu was going to be, and you would say, I'm, I'm making food that my brother and I like. Right. We're just making food that we like. Yeah. Right. right. And that you can eat every day uh, and uh, even more than once a day and never feel bad about it. Like, you know, you don't have to compensate the day, the day after or the morning after. You don't feel bloated or unhealthy or I shouldn't have eat that. You can always eat everything there and feel good about it. Right. Dinner starts now and it ends the next morning when you wake up. You know, it's... There, there's a part of dinner that's like nourishing, and sure. so, you know, you're essentially building your body, and so I think there's a sort of like a respect that goes into it, and it's from sourcing it, from like, you know, taking taking the time to get to know the farmers and the people who grow the meat, and the you know, kind of like really sourcing everything properly, to treating our cooks really well. You know, we want food to be cooked with love, just like the difference between an animal that grows in a factory and it's, you know, sick and miserable and full of antibiotics or whatever it is versus an animal that is out in the pasture and is eating well. Um, And then we think it carries to to the cook. So the kitchen is really open and everyone can like see the cooks cooking and they can see people enjoying it. And it's about this wholesome environment that nourishes love and warmth and like what to us food is all about. It's like what your mother used to do for you. You know, it's, there's so much beauty into it. And so we wanted to convey that in the space, in the food, um, 
Absolutely. I think you do a great job of it, too, by the way. I've been there many yeah. times. And I feel that. <clears throat> I can see what's going on in the kitchen. They can see me. Yeah. Like you said, they get to see me enjoying the food. Right. I was a chef for 12 years, and I stood behind you know, double doors. I never saw a whole lot of that at all. Right. Um, they get to be proud, it, it you know. Exactly. Right. And, and instill some pride. That's what drew me to the front of the house. I get to see and be a part of the experience. Same as the servers and the bartenders. They're all a part of it. And, yeah. uh, and they get to be proud of what they're serving and what they're eating at the restaurant they get to eat from the menu and uh, I think they enjoy it too they enjoy they come there on their days off and have a snack there too yeah it's great that's like that's the real that's a testament yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. that's a beautiful space too again it's got that kind of flat iron shape big windows down one side that are open in the when weather permits and it's bright and airy and open and like I I love the idea of no walls yeah exactly just like it it's it's great, man. Everyone's in the room together. It's and what's cool about it being like a triangular like wedge shape is that, you know, we think about like our cities, a lot of cities like being like the streets are on a grid and it's just kind of like you're just it's boxy and you're kind of like looking this way or that way. Mm-hmm. And, or you know, in in that room it's just kind of like you get to see everything. Yeah. Yeah, when you I, sit at the end of the bar you're kind of at the point of yeah. the triangle and mm-hmm. you can kinda of, it's a catbird seat. You can look down and see the whole <laughs> yeah. you can see the whole thing. Um, and what got you guys started? Like, where I, I know you you had some affiliation with uh, employees only, correct? And then is that is that where your trail begins, or is that just kind of getting into it? Um, my trail begins at the age of fifteen at Cafe Apropos in uh, my parents' uh, old town in Rehovot, where I worked <laughs> as a dishwasher, a prep cook. Then I worked a little as a bartender at a local pub called Psycho. Psycho, <laughs> psycho pub. It's very well named. Let's go get a let's go get a quiet drink over at Psycho. <laughs> and um, then I went to the military for a little bit. Then worked in a bunch of cafes and bars in Tel Aviv, some clubs. Uh, after a two year trip to Australia, where I worked in so many different things, and my sister, I think, once she finished her military service, joined. Because um, where you're from, military is it's requirement, yeah. Yeah, it's mandatory. I feel like I feel like it should be that way here too. We're Israelis. We'd probably be a lot. We'd probably be a lot yeah. healthier here it's, if I were It's true. mandatory there, right? Whether you want to or not, you go. <laughs> and then we <laughs> some go, some walk right into so it. It's some, not that great. Some though. go kicking and screaming. Yeah, I'll pass next time. <laughs> Comes around in my <laughs> karmatic uh, cycles, and then we work for some. Um, I think he was. Catering for weddings, we did some, Eran and Yariv, right? Yeah. We did bartending there, we did shots and uh, test tubes. <laughs> it was of, the 90s. <laughs> it, it, it definitely were the 90s. I worked for uh, some, some club companies, and I think in the year 2000, uh, early year 2000, I came here to visit Nama as I was called back for another tour in the military and decided to stay here in New York. Nama was already here a few months. And Quickly, as uh, freshly uh, off the boat immigrants or off the plane, we found ourselves in the service industry. Like, very quickly, I think. It's the third day here. I oh. started working at a Blue Note. Oh, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Jazz. Jazz. Yeah. All that jazz. <laughs> I worked at the Fat Plat Pussycat. That was my oh, first man. job. Oh, man. So you guys were, like, right across... Are these, these yeah, are yeah, yeah. close yeah. to each other? Yeah. That's right. Wow. Yeah. You guys, so you guys... So, no, we were roommates, too, back then. I love that you've always been so close. That, <laughs> yeah. Me yeah. being a twin, I really, I really respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the evil twin? My brother's my downstairs neighbor now. Yeah, we still live in the same building. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Are you still right across from Lighthouse? Yeah, yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, how did you guys wind up at EO? That's the thing. All right, it's it's that's funny. I well, 
You're foreign. That's the first step. That's easy. Uh, <laughs> Eastern European mutt kind of like exactly. bloodline. Exactly. Good livers back then. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how did it work out? I knew the contractor that helped them uh, finish building employees only. Mm-hmm. I also worked the door at Bar 11 where Nama was a bartender and the uh, hostess at Employees Only was a manager. We used to hang out at Schiller's where Akiva, the general manager at Employees Only, was a bartender and Billy Gilroy, the owner. The incestuous. Yes. And we used to go to Pravda to see Dushan, Jay, and Henry, Igor from the park. So we kind of knew the, the people there and I really wanted to get in there. Mm. So um, I went in for an interview, and they said, well, not really hiring bartenders. It's only uh, owners that are bartending here. I was like, well, I'll do anything. I just want to try to get my foot in the door. And I said, uh, I don't know. We'll call you. They didn't call me. I talked to my contractor friend uh, who was from, is he from Macedonia or somewhere? Some giant Eastern European Balkan dude. And he <laughs> called uh, Kiva and said, put him to job. I go in the next day, go like, okay, we need a dishwasher, <laughs> a busser, and the oven is uh, broken. Can you fix that? I was like, can do. So I got in. I worked as a dishwasher, busser, prep, fixer-upper, and I used to sand the bar back then every Christmas. So, uh, so it's nice and shiny. Helped them put some shelves up. And as soon as uh, there was an open position for a bar back, Igor asked me, you want to jump in? I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, I want to do that. <laughs> And, uh, and, well, that's, and a, that's their system there. You put in your yeah, time. You yeah. don't get to move up the ladder very yeah. quickly, but when you move up the ladder... I'm familiar with that from my mandatory time in the yeah. IDF, so I was okay. So, yeah, it took me about a year uh, and a half to get a bartender shift with Henry on a Sunday. And uh, once I was in, I got my sister in there, too. Nice. That was a, that was a smart move. And from then on, I think... Um, then they, they were open, going to open Macau a few years later, and Billy, one of the owners, uh, offered me a small uh, partnership, and again took mm-hmm. Nama, and we moved to Macau, where I was a bar manager. She was the lounge manager. Oh. And all this time, by the way, we were thinking and working on our business plan for of course. a lighthouse. That idea came before I even started Employees Only, uh, when I was working at this bar called Luxus, strange enough, in the, again, in the West Village, and we thought that such a thing did not exist back then. Like, uh, when you finish your shift as a bartender, you usually get a pizza or you go to the Mexican diner right. and you get something uh, and you wake up and you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that. Uh, right. Not <laughs> right. So that's what Too I thought. Familiar feeling. Like, when when yeah. I had my second burrito. <laughs> you kind of, yeah, you kind of regret it at the moment. You definitely regret oh, yeah. it in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when the concept started, I think, started sprouting about, like, what do I eat at the end of the shift? When I'm walking home, I need somewhere that I can eat something that's going to make me feel better tomorrow. And we were looking at a few spaces. And time went by, and I was really happy with that company. That company really treated me, I think, and Emma, too. They're the best. Uh, very, very well. And that inspired the way we wanted to work with our staff. Um, I've worked in a few shitty bars and a few shitty places where I was treated like Haven't we all? We all have. So <laughs> that was a good example of how it could be. Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, I think it's mid-show, so let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. But then when we come back, we're going to start talking about the initiatives that you guys are taking on at Lighthouse that are reducing your impact um, on, on things like garbage and recycling and yeah. the ideas that you have on how to, how to change that for all of us, which is really the reason we invited you here, because this is fascinating stuff. Right on. Right? right. So let's take a quick break and hear from our delicious sponsor. <laughs> 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 
Hi, I'm Jordan Silbert, founder and CEO of Q Drinks. We're proud to support the Speakeasy. At Q Drinks, we make spectacular carbonated mixers crafted to mix with your favorite spirits. Based right here in Brooklyn, we're available nationally in six flavors, including Q Tonic Water for spectacular gin and tonics and Q Ginger Beer for spectacular Moscow mules. I started the company after a night in my backyard with good gin, really good friends, and lousy tonic water. I realized the world needed better mixers, so I made them. Q Drinks uses real ingredients, a lot less sugar, and a lot more carbonation. The result? Clean, crisp, spectacular beverages that bring out the best in your favorite spirits. Using Q Drinks, it's easy to create terrific drinks with just two pours. One to two ounces of your favorite spirit and three to four ounces of Q poured over ice in a highball glass. It's simple and spectacular. Q Drinks. Make your drink spectacular. All right, we are back. We are. Yes, we're back. <laughs> Spectacular. Um, all right. <laughs> so We brought some snacks, by the way. Yes. Great. So are these some good, healthy snacks? You know, I, I understand your whole mentality when you talk about how you were working in this industry, which means you get out of work late, and then you are looking for some sustenance and nourishment for your oh own my body. God. What the fuck is that? House-made sourdough. <laughs> That's not a snack. That's a whole, <laughs> just a size whole of loaf of Damon's bread. head. I know. I was going to say, I could wear that as a motorcycle helmet. <laughs> a delicious helmet. Some pickles. Yes. Oh, my, oh my gosh. I love the pickles over there. The first time I came there, that's what I got. You guys had a pickle platter, and it was like, choose your own adventure. There was like 10 different, and you could choose five, and, and then I think I picked my five, and you, then you brought me a plate that had them all anyway. And I love, you still do those jalapenos? They're right there. Yes. And some tahini and smoked labne. Awesome. Labne is uh, like, a, like, a, like, like a yogurt, Like yogurt, right? but yeah. more tart and solid. Oh my God! We got to stop inviting bartenders and start inviting restaurateurs. <laughs> restaurateurs. Oh, oh, oh. Um, these these jalapenos—they're pickled with sesame oil, right? Well, they're they're finished with sesame Your oil. Memory is correct because they're so fucking good. That's why I remember. <laughs> Sorry, um, very excited. <laughs> uh, so we're just gonna rip this fucking huge bread apart. We don't have. Oh, a, we also brought you some compost. We don't have a knife for the garden mm-hmm. upstairs or whatnot. Made oh. from lighthouse. Organic waste awesome. left over. That's adorable. Uh-huh. You guys are well. I think we should just wrap up the show. You know, that's it for the show, everybody. We're going to be snacking uh, on these things. Do this one short. Be sure today. to check out Creative Drunk uh, Instagram. You'll see, the, you'll see the you'll see the photos of this uh, delicious At spread the that aftermath. they just laid out. Well, I'm going to take a picture right now. Yeah. Do it. Um. So yeah, let's talk about what you just said. You said you got some compost. Um. And why do you have that? You guys are you guys are kind of leading the forefront on this sort of thing in in the restaurant world, right? Um, hoping to. I mean, we we just from we kind of came across when we were opening Lighthouse. We came across a book that changed completely changed our view. Um, it's called Cradle to Cradle, and it's basically a, a book about design and how good design can be groundbreaking. How from from inception when you think about creating something in the world you can create something that's a part of a better system and we looked at the food system and the waste system and they just seemed very nonsensical to us they seemed very broken um and we wanted to we wanted to reinvent it we wanted to figure out a way to do things better um to kind of like uh, i think it's called biomimicry there's a beautiful model called mother nature or an ecosystem 
mm-hmm. and it's so precise and it's you know works so well and so we thought how can we infuse that idea into into restaurants and that's we've been sort of using lighthouse and outpost as as our little test tube to kind of like check and build a new system um, and it was harder than we imagined uh, you know in the beginning we were just kind of like separating very specific food waste for our neighbor that was using it to dye fabrics so onion skins and avocado pits and skins and beet tops and carrot tops and stuff like that and she would come and pick these like little buckets and we thought it's a drop in the bucket but it's better than nothing um, well, that's where it starts right yeah. exactly it just felt good to kind of like be separating and you know our cooks at the time were like what are we doing over here you know but we were like, it's it's okay. It's going to make sense at the end. And then uh, we started working with the Billion Oyster Project. Um, and they are basically cleaning the New York Harbor by using oyster shells. So we, we keep our oyster shells. They get cleaned um, by volunteers and children in school. Uh, it takes almost a year to get all the bacteria, mignonette sauce, whatever it is that you put on it, um, to really, really clean the shell. And they spawn... They uh, spawn oyster larvae in optimal conditions and then reintroduce them to the shells to kind of like create a reef for that goes into the river. So that helps in times of storm. It kind of like helps um, with waves and such. And then each oyster can filter up to 50 gallons of water a day. So they're literally the cleaning yeah, yeah. the it's water. It's an incredible program. Grand Army's part of it, too. Oh, get out of here. Absolutely. Yeah, it's incredible. What's it called? Billion Oyster Project? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Just want to um, say it again for the listener. So they, so they were kind of like our second um, second collaborator. And then we found uh, the Cork Collective Upscale. And they uh, pick our corks uh, and they upcycle them. Upcycling meaning you're turning something that is waste into something that is of value. Uh, so they use them for art. They use them to make buoys. Um, and so we're just kind of like through these like small partnerships are constantly improving our um, impact on the environment. And, you know, we sort of like try to look at it as positive emissions rather than, you know, reduce yeah. reduction. The cork, the cork thing really bothers me, man. Why is that? Because, I mean, cork comes from a tree. It's like the bark of a tree. And yeah. it's you can't really. I mean, I know I'm literally going to tear ways. this giant do it, helmet. Yeah, do it. <laughs> we're going to break bread on air. Well, cork is harvested, Um, and so... (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear it? (laughs) But yeah, like, you can't really recycle cork, like, for using in bottles. You can use it for other things, but you can't really, like, shred it down. You can, but it doesn't often happen, so... But it has... So so cork has a negative CO2 deposit, Mm -hmm. uh, so it actually keeps the CO2 in, and even when you recycle it, it still holds on to it, so it kind of, like, helps clean the air. Um, and it's a biodegradable product, so if you you know if you put it back into the ground, it would just yeah. you know over time disintegrate. Versus metal and the synthetic ones, which yeah. have a yeah. you know they pollute. Especially as using it in uh, ocean buoys, they allow algae and stuff to grow on sure. it. So they slowly uh, basically they become food to uh, marine life. And they again they're much healthier than plastic buoys, sure. which is what we have normally. We became such hippies <laughs> when I listened to us talking. Kumbaya, so <laughs> but we think it's cool. I mean, that wasn't I, your intent, but it is cool. I mean, you know, sort of. So, like, I, you know, lighthouse is a very organic thing, and kind of like a, a child or a plant. I think every year it grows, and we have this like new realization. And and 
in the past year, I thought, you know, like educating guests and educating, you know, if you want to change the world, change consumers. And we talk about kind of like the people that we buy from and the people that come to Lighthouse. We know we're like voting with our money, right? Looking at the last election. Like you get to, you get <laughs> to do that potentially every day yeah. by choosing what you want to see in the world and kind of like picking your partners. And, you know, it's very empowering. It feels, it feels good to like know who, you know, that you bought this specific wine because they're doing things right because they're about longevity because they, you know, they're building a beautiful community around them. Um, yeah. And we're trying to do the same thing for around us and hopefully that will will grow. Right, hopefully other folks will follow along your, you know, example. Um yeah, I, I remember even coming in I mean I've been there many times, but I remember even the very first time I was there, you were excited and proud to show me the the napkins. Right. <laughs> You're like, My mom sews these <laughs> napkins for us. Right. And they're cute. They're like little gingham-y cross-hatchy pattern. Right. They're all different colors. I'm colorblind, but whatever. I can tell they're all different. <laughs> yeah. They're all different, right? They're not like... Different shades of gray. It's not like, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <clears throat> and you were like, we're going to make our own napkins, and we're going to launder our own napkins, and we're going to not have napkins to throw away. Right. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's great. But that, I feel like, was like step one. When we look back now, after six years, all the sure. things you're doing, that's sure. amazing. Like, I feel like your place is... A solid six times bigger than Mori Margot, but when I listen to you, I feel like I bet they throw away less garbage than I do, right? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not no, we, sure about yeah. that, but like I feel no, no, like no, no. you I mean, guys we, really work hard to not throw anything away, right? You know, so, so like a, you know, part what in a in a perfect world that we hope to you know we're working with a little bit with the UN. We we spoke in the UN a couple of weeks ago about gender equality and food wait, security. Wait, wait. You spoke at the UN? Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Man, the caliber of guests on the show just gets better and better. <laughs> well, it's downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, What's next? We, I mean, we really are working on a bigger plan for, you know, waste management localization um, without, without garbage trucks. I mean, New York City in one year spends th- three, almost, it's $299, $300 million on exporting waste. We're paying other countries to take our waste because there are no facilities in New York City. That's um, so fucked up. Yeah. I mean, there's like a long history of, you know, from the, the 50s and the 30s when everything got privatized and everything changes, but basically um, the city sanitation is using privatized um, contractors, com- yes. Yeah, to, to deal with waste. To haul waste out of the city. And then to pay someone to take it, right? Yes. Exactly. And so we've, you know, we sort of like looked at everything that's happening and we thought there has to be a better way to do it. And we're looking at a program where your waste gets picked up on schedule so there's never waste on the street. And it's about material sorting. So you have a secondary value from everything that comes in. You smaller um, trucks. With local trucks force. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. the numbers make sense. You were talking to me about this at a dinner that we were all at. That's right. Right. We were yeah. eating uh, lots of cheese. We ate fondue. Yeah. <laughs> It's not dinner. It's dip. Yeah, it's dip. dip. <laughs> it's not dinner. It's dip. Um, and yeah, you were saying you're trying to create a, a, a program that's localized to where you're at in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where you'll use smaller trucks. And you just mentioned possibly electric. Again, that scheduled pickup, meaning nothing's on the street. Right. And then someone then 
goes through your garbage effectively and pulls it apart into all its components? No, that, no, no. It's, the, it's the, the businesses would, you know, the businesses, the businesses still would sort it out. It yeah. There would be different bins for everything, and you know, which seems like a lot in the beginning, but we've been doing that at Lighthouse for forever, and it's, you know, once you get used to a system... Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just is what it is. Exactly. It's the crazy thing about that $300 million. If we just, like, started... If everyone pitched in and started uh, doing, doing it the right way, then you could probably use that money in uh, paying for, you know... Education. Education, minimum wage. Mm. Maybe we could probably eliminate the gratuity system. Flying yeah. cars. Yes. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> playing Sorry. cards. I'm still, <laughs> still pissed at <laughs> flying cars. Dude, there is... Like, I'll show you later. There, I found a flying car the other day. I was promised it. flying cars as a child. Awesome. <laughs> They're yeah. still not here. The, the idea was to... Elon Musk to, is working on it. Yeah, I'm sure. We wanted to work from within. It's, it's easy to talk about it, but it's, it's, um, but it's not very effective when people that are not from within the industry, um, it's much easier to vote with your restaurant's money of who you're going to use to, to manage your waste, who is going to do that, where are you going to move it. And um, we, came, we came up with the idea that we have to do it from within. We have to open a restaurant or a bar or whatever and change the way we do it in order to make a change. And the larger um, number of participants in these experiments, the larger the impact will be. And, of course, we know a bunch of people uh, from the industry, and we're going to slowly, gradually try to implement that with other people to just help them make a little booklet with all the contacts. Of course, it's an it's a open-source kind of thing because the, the idea is not for profit. Profit is maybe a result from it or, you know, savings is maybe a result of this, but the, the idea is to have a larger impact. So, of course, it's an open source idea. So anyone who wants any of our contacts, any help in any way, can always get that from us and we want to help other people do that. Has anyone gotten on board yet or have you started recruiting yet? I mean, we, we do all the time. I mean, we, I, we talk to restaurants, we talk to bar owners, uh, we talk to liquor companies. You know, we, we may have found a partner in doing, like, sustainability workshop for restaurants and bartenders. I mean, it's a constant kind of, like, you know, we, we, really, wanna, we really want to inspire rather than preach. And so I'd rather people sort of, like, think, oh, this is great. I want to take part and come to us rather than um, us kind of, like, annoying people. But... Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a a movement in that direction. People want to do the right thing. Um, it feels good. You know, it feels good for everyone. I mean, our, our servers are, I call my cooks the little bukashi fairies because they, you know, when we do the compost, it's called a, a bukashi. And it's, a, it's an airtight kind of compost where you have enzymes that are digesting it so it doesn't really ever smell and you have to kind of like sprinkle a little bit of that bukashi in the buckets and they kind of like walk around and they totally get it you know they're like really a part of it even though it's a little bit more work it's a little bit more annoying but they're you know everyone's really behind it it feels it feels good that's awesome yeah we separate our bottles and send some to our let's say beer distributors and they can take it back and sanitize the bottle and reuse them uh, rather than throwing it away to who knows where it's going and some of the rest of the bottles that they can take are going to sure we can right here in Bushwick, and they separate it further and use it for recycling. So whatever I can give back to our distributors, sure we can. Uh, take that's that. our compost. And that's our compost yeah. company, too. They take our uh, organic waste and turn it into compost in a facility. I, I guess it's really not so far from here. Yeah. It's, it's right where, in Bushwick. Avenue. So where does that go off to? Like the compost becomes what? 
it becomes mulch and fertilizer and things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But how does it get distributed from your place? These guys pick it up and then they just, that's their end of it. Um, I mean, we sell it at the rest. We sell compost at the restaurant. We give it away. I use it in my, for my plants. I just get it for my plants. They use it for their garden. This plant could use some compost. There yeah, we go. Some- <laughs> <laughs> just some right there. It's looking pretty weak. <laughs> it's because that on-air light is like burning it to death. Yeah. <laughs> Damon, you got to try some of these pickles. I know. I yeah. can't wait. They're all, all the way over there, man. Well, pass them over. <laughs> you can't see it, but they- oh my God, don't burn your mouth. Um, it's, it's a great thing. They're not that hot. Like, it's a jalapeno, but it's not crazy spicy. It's real savory. Yeah, I mean, I can smell the, the sesame oil from here, man. It's amazing. All right, well, dude, okay, so give us the website. Where can we find out more information about all the great things we've talked about today? Also, um, are you baking this bread at Lighthouse? We're oh, yeah. baking this sourdough. We actually started making sourdough bagels, which are, like, the best thing you've ever had because they're so light. They're so airy. Yeah. And the crisp kind of like exterior and we bake challah 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 i yeah, mean it's, it's not we should say it's not we it is our incredible chef joey scalabrino he's amazing so i'll tell a little story joey started working with us at lighthouse he was um he was working with our first chef nicholas cox at la esquina and he was i think a busser at the time <laughs> and he realized he wanted to cook and he came to nick and said hey i think i want to learn how to cook can i get a job in the new spot and nick's Sure, and and Joey started working with us, and he was checking oyster, and he was really adorable. He was like this twenty-year-old kid, um, and after two years, he said, "I think I need to go out into the world and learn more and experience and whatever." And we said, "Go, you'll always be our friend." Um, and he did amazing. He went to <clears throat> um, all good things and worked with Ryan Tate, and he became mm-hmm. a super young chef at uh, Iris Cafe. Mm-hmm. And then when Nick decided he was moving to Boston and we were kind of like parted ways very amicably, we called on Joey and he's been our chef since. And he's a very talented, very hardworking, really great baker. Yeah. 26-year-old. Yeah. Made from scratch. Like yeah. Well, yeah, I was about to say, so it sounds like he's made from scratch. He's made from like scratch, he, he yeah. Did it, he did self- it himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-taught. It's amazing. Yeah. This bread is delicious. I, I tore a big chunk of it off. <laughs> you can see it on my Instagram. I already posted it. Creative oh, Drunk. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, so fast. At Creative <laughs> Drunk. Yeah. It's beauty. Um, so, yeah, let's talk real fast about oh, a couple of things. You, The Billion Oyster Project. Yes. Huge. If you're a restaurant out there and you're serving oysters, get on board. Definitely. Um, sure we can. Sure, sure we yep. can. Sure we common can. Common ground. Sure we uh, can. Doing... Takes uh, compost and bottles off your hands. Yep. Absolutely. Common ground. What's that one? Common ground is a, is a compost uh, facility that works in Manhattan. So this is our So that's outpost. your Manhattan right. connection mm-hmm. for outposts? Yeah. And then how about uh, you got websites and, and stuff for Lighthouse itself? So lighthousebk.com and lighthouseoutpost.com. Yeah, and, and I, follow, I follow Lighthouse BK on Instagram. Some beautiful photos of this delicious, healthy, well, it's delicious more than anything. <laughs> just delicious food. Yeah. Right, right. And, and beautifully prepared and presented. Thank you. Gosh, you guys are really like cutting edge. I, it makes me feel like I need to get off my ass. I, I'm embarrassed to say that literally just back in November... We finally started recycling bottles out of Mori Margo. Yeah. Which is over 90% of what we throw away. We don't really have any food or napkins. Right. I don't mm-hmm. use straws, like anything well, hey, man, like that. That's make, awesome. If it makes you feel any better, I was working at an event yesterday at a giant pier, which I will not name, <laughs> for a big event, which I will not name, hmm. Hmm. making cocktails for a ton of people. 
and which you pers- cannot name, which I cannot name. <laughs> but we went through about twenty cases of spirit, which I cannot name. <laughs> and this was just one bar in this giant facility with this huge event. Twenty cases. Think about that. It was over five hours. Twenty cases. It's a lot. And there were no recycling capabilities with this venue. Mm. Oh, that's not good. No, no, it's not. We don't, we're not thinking. They just don't. They don't think about that. They don't exactly. consider this kind of stuff. And I, that's assume, all it is. And that's that would be huge, just a huge impact. Yeah, for a one day event. For a one day thing. But, I, but like some of these big venues, they they just don't consider it. And I have to assume that for an event like that, I've worked a million of them. You're probably using plastic cups that get thrown away. You're probably sure. using straws and everything. There's a napkin mm-hmm. under each drink. Ugh, yeah. Going. Well, I mean, you know, so so if you ever read Cradle to Cradle, or you just think about that philosophy, then it's looking at design. So you can, you know, it's not about it's not about not making waste. It's about rethinking waste. It's about, you know, if we if we use the right materials, you know, there's and, and everything is biodegradable potentially, or either biodegradable or, you know, they call it either the the technical sphere or the biosphere. And so things can either be truly recycled, like pure metals and such. Or biodegradable, where they just go back into the into the cycle, and so you know it's sort of like we or don't eaten. Have you seen these things? Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? In yes. India, apparently, the number one consumer of plastic silverware—it's not silverware, it's plasticware—is India. But this company has started making it cheaper than the plastic stuff costs out of cornstarch. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And so you use the spoon to eat, and then you fucking eat the spoon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's, delicious. And, and even if you don't, it's it's cornstarch. It'll degrade pretty quickly right. once it gets yes. wet. Right. I'm pretty sure that's how tortilla chips came around. <laughs> it's a spoon. Ta-da! <laughs> For salsa. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So now they just got to make it delicious, right? Yeah. I, I think currently it's just like it is edible. Well, this table's edible, but like you not, can eat pretty not, much. You now know. they got to make it delicious. Termites. Light bulbs. Might want to eat some mushrooms before you eat the table. I want the chili infused <laughs> spoon. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. I want a chili spoon to eat with my chili. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but going back to that, it's what is the bottom line? Is the bottom line just about making money, or can you make the money and still? Do something good while you're at it. You know, while you're doing this uh, you know, thousands of people event, you can still do something. Yeah, multiple bottom lines. Yeah. You know, I mean, how hard would it have been for? Uh, so this, I think, this has given me ideas. I do events all the time too. Now I'm going to say to the event people, like, "Hey, we're going to have a whole bunch of glass left over. Let's make sure that uh, what's it called again? Yes, you can. Sure, sure we, we can. can. Sure we can. Let's make sure that a representative from Sure We Can is there taking it all away. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like they'll probably come and do it because they make money off of it. Whatever. There are plenty of ways to make yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, that's, they, they basically have, you know, low-income <laughs> families me. helping them. It's called can Like, the actual thing is called canning. So they, you know, that's how they make their living. Yeah, it's the like the, from, the, from the deposit. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you sort bottles and cans, they go from $0.05 cents to $0.08. Cents. And so it actually, some people, like, for them, it's a livelihood. Wow. Right. Yeah, people uh, get their kids through college with that. No you guys kidding. are incredibly smart and ridiculously big-hearted. Very thoughtful. And thoughtful people who are less concerned with your own advancement and more concerned with the sort of sustainability of, of everyone's position. I, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, we should all you. get behind you. Oh, look at yeah. you. Are you blushing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at that red she just got. No, it's a red snapper. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're towards the end here. I'm just going to plug next week's show, um, which is uh, a dear old friend of both of ours, Brian Miller. Of all of our, you guys know Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Brian's going to be on uh, promoting 
Um, well, promoting himself because he's a pirate. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, I, guess, I guess he wants to talk about the upcoming Tiki Monday, mm-hmm. which will be apparently the last one, which sounds sad when you say it, but, but there's, a, there's a reason behind it that he has yet to reveal. Maybe we'll squeeze it out of him next week. He's opening it. I should hope so, right? That's the whisper. Okay. What's a pirate's favorite letter? You think it's an R, but it's the C. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Yes, Damon loves puns. Um, So anyway, next week, Brian Miller. um, And then stay tuned closely because uh, immediately following the show, he will be headed right over to Grand Army with, uh, I think, uh, both Jelani and uh, uh, Corporal Captain are going to be joining him. Uh, The team, yeah, the team from... From Tiki Monday, we're all going to head over and do a happy hour at Grand Army. It's going to get weird. It's going to get shirtless and painted faces and gold teeth and whatnot. Ooh. <laughs> um, you better start drinking by then. Pirates and swords. <laughs> I'll be drinking. Yeah, yeah, you'll be back. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so again, thanks for joining us Thank on you. the Speakeasy today, guys. Really great to have you. Really great to get some information Thank from you, you that's um, that's forward thinking. Um, and then, you know, just briefly, we can talk about this off air as well, but I'm um, the new president of the USBG New York City chapter. Right. We need to do an event where we get a bunch of restaurateurs and bar owners to sit down and hear what you guys have to say and present. Love that. All right, so we can get more people on board, and I'm going to do the same. And yeah. Okay, man. Sounds great. Yeah. Dude, this has been great. It has, so been, happy. Yeah, has been a it great show. so fast. Yeah. And I can't does. wait to uh, get it. This sourdough is so freaking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Thanks for bringing all these snacks. We're going to dig into these after the show. I'm sure Jason over at the bar would like to have some. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. So, uh, yeah, well, that's it for this week. Check out HeritageRadioNetwork.org for many other programs like this. Till next week, I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Souther Teague. Cheers. We'll see you later, guys. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's going to save your soul. The listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.